Good morning, Dorisville. You'll go take your Bibles, please, and turn to Titus in chapter 2. You'll find Titus right after 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus chapter 2. As if you've been here over the last three or four or five weeks, we heard in the beginning, no pun intended, that as promised, he came. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, God made a promise and said, there's coming a seed of the woman and he's going to crush the head of Satan. Yes, Satan will bruise his his heel, but he will crush the head of Satan. He promised and he came. You remember we went to Exodus chapter 12 and we saw the promise portrayed in the form of a lamb that was slain at twilight. And the blood of the lamb was taken and put on the doorpost of the children of Israel as the death angel passed through Egypt that night. And God had promised that when I see the blood, I will pass over that house. And that blood looked forward to that blood of the lamb looked forward to a day when there be another lamb slain. He portrayed And he came. And then we went to Isaiah chapter 53. And we got a much clearer picture of what the story of Christmas was all about. When we read in the prophecy written written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth even. that, That he would be pierced for our sins. He would be bruised for our iniquities. God prophesied. And he came. He came. He came. The greatest story of Christmas goes beyond a manger. It goes to the great story of redemption. And in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 14, we see a really different take on this thing called Christmas. I want to go ahead and read the scripture through for you. Come back, take a look at the points if you want to. They're kind of cool because they all phonetically work together. But I really want to tell you the story of Christmas. And motivate you to leave this place so fired up to share this great news. This good news about Jesus Christ and the story of Christmas. Paul writes in Titus and says this. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people. Instructing us to deny godliness and worldly lust. And to live in a sensible, righteous and godly way in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a special people eager to do good works. For the grace of God has appeared. He came. The grace of God has appeared. That word carries the idea of, of course, grace, God's unmerited favor. It also carries the idea of great benefit. But it also carries the idea of this, and this ties in so well with Christmas, a gift. You could actually translate this verse and say, for the gift of God has appeared. The Bible says in James chapter 1, it says, for every good and perfect gift 
comes down from the Father above. And never is that more true. Now, come on, people. Never is that more true than we see in the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ when God became man, when God became Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? This grace of God, this gift of God has appeared. But you know what makes a gift special? There are several things. It's application, it's price. And we see that in those next few words. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation. Salvation. There's a good study. If I'm not giving this to you, let me give it to you now. If you are a computer person, go to www.mystudybible.com. And Lifeway, which is an, an empty of the Southern Baptist Convention, has developed this site. It's a great Bible study tool Free. Y'all like free? Free. MyStudyBible.com. One of the things you can do, you can take your mouse and run over different words, and it connects it with Strong's and tells you what the Greek and the Hebrew words mean. And I said, you know, this is such a powerful world. Anyway, salvation. What God, what can we give them today that's fresh and new? And there it was. The word salvation there. Not way down the list of definitions. It means Defense. Defense. For the gift of God has appeared with defense. Now, you've got to get this. Let's leave Dorsville. Let's go to the courtroom. Bigger than Saline County. Larger than the Supreme Court. And there, of course, is the judge. We are the accused. To our right is our defense attorney. Some of you have experienced that. Some of you have not. But in this case, it applies to all of us. Because the judge that sits on the bench is God the Father. We, again, represent ourselves as the accused. Our defense attorney stands to our right. God the Father says, The charge is that you have sinned against me. I am holy God, and you have sinned, because my word says, All have sinned. And he may look at us and say, So are you part of all? Yes, sir, we are part of all. So the charge against you is that you have sinned against holy God. The penalty for this is death. Because my word declares that the wages, the payment for sin, is death. Do you understand? Yes, sir, I understand. I'm pretty confident because I've got a pretty good defense attorney. So the judge then looks at the defense attorney and says to him, how does he plead? The defense attorney responds, judge, I agree with you 100%. He's guilty. Your jaw drops. 
you're the defense attorney. You're supposed to be on my side. Let's try this again. Judge, ask him again. He didn't understand the question. Oh, no, I understood the question perfectly. I agree with the judge, my father. You are guilty and there is no defense. Whoa. It's looking pretty bleak, isn't it? But then the defense attorney keeps on speaking and says this, Father, you are totally correct and I agree with you. He has sinned against us. He has no defense. It has nothing to do with the neighborhood he was raised. It had nothing to do with the fact that his mama and daddy raised him correctly or incorrectly. It has nothing to do with the habits that he might have. It has nothing to do with that he's just a weak human. He is guilty because he was born in sin and he has willfully sinned. But judge, I want to take the rap. You are correct. He has sinned. And I want to take that sin upon myself. Because your word also declares this. For you, judge, you made him who knew no sin, that's me, to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. Judge, I'll become his sin And in trade, I will give him my righteousness. That's about the time you bad to say, Woo, glory! And he's guilty, but I'm willing to take the penalty. The penalty is death, and I am willing to die. Listen to this. Romans chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. Paul writes to the Romans and says this. So then, as through one trespass, go back to the Garden of Eden, the disobedience, the rebellion. As through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is life-giving justification for everyone. Paul says, through one act of disobedience, rebellion against God, we were born with a sin nature and we willfully choose. There's condemnation because of that. But through one righteous act, there is life-giving justification. And what was that one righteous act? It happened on a hill called Mount Calvary. Come on now. I know it's a Sunday after Christmas. It happened on a hill called Mount Calvary. When that little baby who had grown to be a man, who had lived a sinless life, who had no sin of his own, stretched out his hands. And was nailed to an old Roman cross and shed his blood and then laid his life down. So that the payment for sin, the wages of sin is death. So the payment could be made. So then as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is life-giving justification for everyone. For just as 
through one man's disobedience, Adam and Eve, the many were made sinners. All of us were the many. So also, through the one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, the many have been made, will be made righteous. You know what that means? Because of what Jesus Christ did, every person can have a right standing with God. Now, you're not too excited this morning because you don't understand something. If, you, if, if the judge is there and you're here and he says you're guilty as charged, you've got nothing to bring to the table. You can argue with the judge about your church attendance. You can argue with the judge about your baptism. You can argue with the judge about your religion. You can argue with the judge about your wonderful ability to give to God. But you will stand judged and condemned without the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I've already said it. Actually, the Word said it. I didn't say it. The Word said it. For this gift of God has appeared with a defense. And, you know, by the way, what's the best defense? Offense. God went on the offensive for us. Lord, are they there? God went on the offense for us. That's what you just celebrated. With a defense for all people. All people. How vast, how incredible is this Christmas story? It's the white man, it's the black man, it's the brown man, it's the man in Asia, it's the man in Europe, it's the man in Dorsville. How incredible is this? We've got to get the word out. If you are prone to DUIs, and you've had several, and one of your friends got a DUI, you would say something like this. I know this attorney. And he can get me off every time. Well, let me tell you something. I know not for DUI, but for my sin. I know a marvelous defense attorney. And I want you to know, and we got to let others know, that there is forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. we got to get the word out. We've got to get the word out. Man, after, after that, your only response can be, you know, when Paul writes in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it says, Thanks be to God for your incredible gift. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. King James, thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. He came. And we celebrated it. Yesterday. And we celebrate it, Sheila, today. Today. Again, the value of a gift is how applicable it is to my life. 
There is nothing more applicable in the, in the realm of gifts than this great, wonderful gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offers. Thank you, God, for this incredible gift. So with that thought in mind, this is all one long verse up through verse number 13. With that thought in mind, we read these words. Instructing us. This is, this is Christmas plus one. This is what you do. This is how you live. This is what's about after you experience Christmas personally. After we saw the extravaganza, when, when, when uh, the dude, Scroogey dude, man went to the nativity and saw it alive. It wasn't plastic anymore. When you have personally experienced Christmas. Has anyone here personally experienced Christmas? Is there anybody here who's been born again today? Hey, is there anybody here whose sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ? Can I have a witness? Is there anybody? Once you've experienced it, Brother Paul gives us Christmas plus one. Or what do you do the day after Christmas? And the day after that? And the day after that? Instructing us. I bet you can figure out what instructing means. To teach. To be educated. To be teachable. You know where I'm going, don't you? See, we have a, we, we have a tendency as we have experienced Christmas, sometimes it happens early on. Sometimes it happens after a decade. Some after two decades. Some, but somehow we reach a point where we think we've graduated. And because, like so many young people, we think we know it all, we stop being teachable. And that is a travesty against God's grace. And that is a tragedy for us. I want to encourage you today, as Paul does, instructing, always remain teachable. Whether it's me or Brent or Dave or Randy, whoever fills this place, when you go into your Sunday school class, whatever teacher that is, as you read the, the, the books, and bless God as you read the book, remain teachable. You should walk out of here every time. On this Sunday, whether it's in your classroom or here, or even through some of the songs we sing, you better be able to take something home. Because we may not be the best teachers in the world, either there or here. But I'm telling you what, often God gives us, even through the worst teachers, you've got to ask myself, am I teachable? Or am I so close mind to my scope and my understanding of God and what he wants to do that I become unteachable? So here's what Paul said. He said, instructing us to deny godliness. To deny God. Let me try it again. To deny godlessness. That word better? Y'all were freaking out, weren't you? Well, see, that's what you call a Freudian slip. Because a lot of church I know, we deny godliness. Come on now. Come on. Deny godlessness. Now, 
See that word deny? Sometimes we get in denial. There, there's no godlessness in my life. Now, I can see it. I can see it in your life, Dave. And John, I can see it in yours. But there's no godlessness in my life. I, that's not what it's saying. He's not saying to deny godlessness. He's saying rather to deny it in our lives. Say, you deny entry. Where's Sarah at? Sarah, y'all have restricted areas, don't you? You've got to have a pass. You've got to have an ID to get into restricted areas. Is that right? That's what Paul is saying. Deny access. Say deny access. Deny access of godlessness in your life. Say, say godlessness, you are not going to have a home in this life. You're, you're not going to have habits. Habits that are godless, you're, you're just not going to find a home here. Attitudes and thoughts, you're not going to find a home here. You're going to have to go, listen, you're going to have to move on down the road because there's no place for you in my life. And, and the reason why is, is because He came. And he, and he stood for my defense. And He bled and died for me. And I'm just not going to trample underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ anymore. Not going to stand down as it gets trampled. Denying godliness and worldly lust. See, our old want-tos lean toward the world. And we've got to learn to deny what is anti-God plus denying what is pro-world. Hey, have you been around long enough to know that God and the world don't think alike. Have y'all figured that out yet? I mean, you don't see too many people wearing bikinis in, in North Dakota in January. There might be some, but I don't think there are very many. See, we've got to learn. Listen, guys, listen. Because He came, because He shed His blood, because He came to our defense... Out of sheer appreciation, not obligation, not rule keeping, not, not I've got to do this because God did that. Just out of pure appreciation and love. We got to learn to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. Now, you know what's different about what I just said? There are plenty, plenty of preachers who will teach that to you. But most of them will stomp their feet and slam this bottle and say, You better take their oaths. I don't want a religion that is rule-based. I prefer grace. And I prefer, I prefer my obedience to be love-based and not rule-based. I want to stay faithful to Judy but not because of paper, paper, paper I got since I'm married to her. I want to stay faithful to her because I love her. I love her. Deny godlessness, worldly lust. And then he says, I want you to live in a sensible, a sound mind, a, a mind of self-control. A righteous as right. Look at that translate from the Hebrew, or excuse me, from the Greek, as right. Live as right and godly. You know, remember godly? God's way. 
live God's way. And here's what's cool. In this present age. You know what's cool about that? He didn't say in 65 A.D. live this way. Because in 2100, it's going to be really hard. In 2011, it's going to be really hard. So, so we'll, we'll bend the rules when we get there. But right now, where you're living, folks, he's writing to, you, you, don't, you live this way now. You know what's great about present age? It's always present age. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I bet y'all didn't expect this the day after Christmas. I don't care what society says about divorce. It's still wrong. I don't care if 90% of the population gets divorced. God's Word says, I hate divorce. It's still wrong. I don't care who's sleeping with who and what percent of the population is doing it. God hates it and it's still wrong. Lying, gossip, and cheating will always be out of vogue with God. It's in this present age. I just need to tell you something. Can I tell you something? God ain't going to change His mind. What He said was wrong in the beginning is wrong now. And what He said was right in the beginning is right now. You may live to be 125 years old, but God ain't going to change. I don't want you to do it because that book says. But if I, as your pastor, could encourage you to anything, I would encourage you to fall passionately in love with Jesus Christ and our sheer love and appreciation saying, God, I want to do this. I want to deny, deny godlessness. I want to lay aside the, the world's lust. I want to live sensibly. I, 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 I want to live rightly. I want to live godly, no matter what the world says. Because God, what you love is what I want to love. And what you hate, I want to hate. Now watch this. Flowing right into the next phrase in that verse. While we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. Now, just quickly, notice the affirmation of the deity of Jesus Christ there. Do you see it? For the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. Not just a good man, not just a great teacher, not, a, not just a prophet. He is our great God. How are we going to wait? We have studied over the last five weeks how people through the ages have waited on Christmas. Most of the time, they didn't do real good. Because what happens is, they waited good for a little while, but it seemed like, like it, would never, it was never going to happen. And so often, they started living godlessly and after worldly lust. How are we going to live? Because you know what? He's coming. He's coming. They waited millennia for him to come the first time. And he laid in a manger. And then he lived. And then he died. And on the third day he resurrected. And some 40 days after that, he ascended back to the Father. 
where he is right now. And the Bible clearly teaches, say clearly teaches, that Jesus is coming back. One day, the father's going to look at the son and say, it's time for a road trip. It's time for a road trip, Jesus, son. Go get my children. And Jesus is coming back. How are we going to wait? How are we going to wait? How are we going to wait? And here's a question. What's he waiting on? This world already. Lord, this world is way messed up. It is time. Did you know I can tell you exactly what he's waiting on? I'm sorry. The Bible can tell you exactly what he's waiting on. Let me read to you, and you might want to write this down. In 2 Peter... In chapter 3 and verse 9. Now listen carefully. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, talking about His coming, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering. Say long-suffering. Long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what he's waiting on? Say them. All them lost people. He doesn't want one to die and go to hell. So he's giving them time to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. He's waiting on them. But you know what else he's waiting on? Us. Listen to this. The Lord Jesus speaking in Matthew. And this gospel, say this gospel. Now, he said, this is the good news. That the defense attorney was willing to die and pay the penalty for our sin. And willing to become sin, that we could become the righteousness of God. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. This gospel is going to be preached to all the nations, to all the ethnos, to all the people groups. And watch this. And then the end will come. What's he waiting on? He's waiting on us, plan A, not plan B, because there is no plan B. He's waiting on us, plan A, to get the word out to those people who desperately need to hear that there's a God and His Son Jesus Christ died, that they can have forgiveness of sins. We're plan A. I'm so... And I use the word proud in a good way. I am so glad to report to you that 30... Over $36,000 has been given to Lottie Moon this Christmas season. Now, you can clap and praise God for that. Woo! And I'm going to remind you again, it is not about a goal. It's about them and about those willing to go. Now, I don't know what you say. Dwayne, what can God do with $36,000? Let me think. A few, few loaves... Couple of fish, um, fed twenty thousand. I think he could do a lot with thirty six thousand dollars. What do you think? Incredible. How'd that happen? There were some good gifts. But you know how it happened? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. 
There were some widowers on Social Security who all they could give was $10. That's how it happened. There were some up in the middle age of life and they were a little bit more than there. And there's some further on down the line, God's blessed success to give more. And some could give more than that. But that's how it happened, the body of Christ. He's waiting on them. He's waiting on us. How are we going to wait? Well, he gives us some admonition. In verse 14, he says, he, he, it's kind of like a reminder. He gave himself. He gave himself. Now, now, let me share this with you. I'm trying to get you to appreciate what Jesus did. So one day, this chicken walked up to a pig and said, what do you think about breakfast? And the pig said, I happen to like breakfast a whole lot. What do you got in mind? And the chicken said, I was thinking about ham and eggs. Why don't you bring the ham and I'll bring the eggs? The pig didn't think much of the idea. It cost the chicken a little bit. It cost the pig everything. He gave himself. It, oh, come on now, y'all. It cost Jesus everything. Come on now, that's a place to clap. It cost him everything. He gave his life. He bled and died. He strapped on a human body. He gave himself for us. To buy us back. To redeem us from all lawlessness. Now y'all got like this. And to cleanse for himself. To prepare for himself a special people. You know what that translates to from the Hebrew, from the Greek? I keep wanting to say Hebrew. From the Greek, beyond usual. Y'all, those of you who have been born again, you are beyond usual. Which makes you unusual. Come on now. And that's what, that's what God, God says. Now listen here. Some of y'all think lowly of yourself. Friend, if you know Jesus, you've been blood-bought. You've been blood-bought. You're, you're a child of the King, not by your merit. Not because of your skin color. Not because of your denomination. You are a child of God because you're blood-bought. The price of blood was paid. And that makes you a very unusual, special, peculiar People. And with that comes that last characteristic. Eager. Say eager. Eager to do good works. See, when you have an appreciation of Christmas, when you, when you understand the court scene, God the Father, you stand charged, condemned, eternally separated from God in a place called hell, and your defense attorney says, I agree with the Father, you're guilty, but I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll pay the price. When you fully understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, when you fully understand the price He paid, you are eager to do good works. Now, I'm human like you. Like I said, y'all, some of y'all like this, some of y'all hate it. But you know, you say, well, Dwayne, you're just too human. Honey, I'm 100% human. And there are times when I'm not too eager to do good. 
Y'all make me mad enough, I just get downright nasty. I want to, I get tempted just like y'all do. But when I focus, when I focus on the Christmas story, when I focus on that baby who was 100% God, yet 100% man, and I think about that baby growing to be a man with no sin of his own, and willingly, willingly being nailed to a cross, dying for me, and the thing that so many people fear the most, death, just stomping it in the ground on the third day. They, Satan couldn't hold him down. The demons couldn't hold him down. He just got up. Just got up. And I know one day when the old heart quits, if Jesus doesn't come back first, the heart quits, guess what? I ain't going to stay down. Y'all come to the funeral. Say a few nice things if you don't mind. Come on, have a good dinner on me. But I ain't down. I'm up. And so are you if you know Jesus Christ as Savior. When you understand that, when I understand that, when my perspective is that, I find myself eager to do good works. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what Christmas is all about. The, the gift of God has appeared with a defense, which is an offense for everyone. For everyone. If you're listening on the radio today, for you. If you're here today in this crowd, I mean, if you figured it out, it's no accident you're here. It's the day after Christmas with snow on the ground. It's cold outside. Yeah, you're in church. You haven't been in church in a long time. Maybe, just maybe, God had an appointment for you so He could read a love letter to you that said, For God, say it with me, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Would you bow your heads right there? In just a few moments, I'm going to have my my brother Brent, come and stand forward here. And I want to invite you to come. It's a time of decision. You know, there are people in this room, you heard the testimonies through the amens. Many of us experienced Christmas. For me, again, it happened to be 35 years ago. But many of us experienced Christmas. That wonderful gift of God's love. Realizing we had sinned against holy God. And I had nothing to bring to the table. Like I am like depraved. I've got nothing spiritually to bring. And yet Jesus said. I'll become sin. So that you can become righteousness. I'll die. So you don't have to. I'll experience God's wrath. So you don't have to. And if you're here today. And you've never made that commitment. And it is a commitment. This is not, God, Jesus, please fix my marriage. This is not, Jesus, please give me a job. This is not, Jesus, let me pray a prayer. This is a commitment to believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He died for you. And if you ask Him to, He'll come and live inside of you and make you a new creation. If you've never done that, we want to give you that opportunity on this day after Christmas. Just a moment, I'm going to pray, and Brother Brent will be standing down front, and Dave's going to sing for us.
As he sings, I want to invite you to be courageous. Be bold. If you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart to come. Matter of fact, can I just do this? I do this a lot. Because I, I want to pray for you. Is there someone here today who said, Dwayne, I've got serious doubts if I've ever done that. Or Dwayne, I know I've never have. I've never asked Jesus Christ in my life. I've never made that commitment to him. But heads bowed and eyes closed, no one look around. Would you please slip your hand up? I may pray for you. Slip your hand up, Dwayne. Would you pray for me today? Yes, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Let me pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you. Father, I, I'm overwhelmed by your grace this morning. For me, it became clear. I had no defense. I was going to face your full wrath. Because I had nothing to bring to the table. And then your son stepped up in my place. Father, a couple of folks raised their hands today saying, I don't know if I've done this. I've not done this. God, give them the, the boldness and the courage to step forward. Take Brent by the hand and say, I want to know this. This greatest Christmas present ever. I want to know about this. And Father, there's probably some on the radio. There may be some who just couldn't raise their hand today. Father, I pray, Lord, speak to their hearts. And we just want to say thank you so much for this marvelous gift. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name.